GM, I would say, has been on the quite the opposite spectrum, where uh, I think good management is a reflection on how they have been able to perform in this crisis uh, of demand destruction so far. From our remote offices in the New York tri-state area, welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. This podcast offers conversations with our analysts to get their perspective and expertise on the global credit markets. If you're an investment professional that touches the wide universe of fixed income, you will want to give us a listen. We are living a surreal life right now, but our team of nearly 100 analysts continues to publish content to our more than 15,000 readers across global credit markets. I'm Christopher Snow, the moderator, and I am here with Hidden Anon, head of our U.S. industrials team. Hi, Hidden. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Look forward to a great conversation. Well, thanks. Well, today we're going to talk about Boeing, GE, and GM. These names in the industrial sector are interesting because it dovetails into a major theme that we've worked across our team in investment-grade credit over the last several years, which is the triple B risk tier in corporate credit. So before we dig into the triple B part of it, these three credits recently reported earnings. Can you just let us know how they did? Yeah, to add to your point, Chris, I, I call them the big, bad, triple Bs of industrials. They have been certainly very topical, and they all reported earnings over the last two weeks. I would say that earnings expectations were extremely weak, given the backdrop of COVID-related shutdowns. So, But on a free cash flow basis, we actually saw GE and Boeing come out ahead of expectations, whereas uh, GM cash burn was more in line. So I would say two of them beat expectations, and GM was more in line. Gotcha. So let's get into the triple B theme. Fallen angels are obviously very topical for investors. You know, there's currently more than three trillion of triple B debt outstanding. It's more than half of the IG index. You know, broadly, what we've seen over the last you know multiple cycles is a migration downward, which is a whole host of reasons, not least of which is companies finding the optimal financing mix. You know, these three names, if you look back far enough, you know, these were all AAA or AA at some point, and now they've migrated to their perch, which is, you know, had some debate among investors of whether or not there's fallen angel risk. You know, that migration is in part due to, you know, similarly finding an optimal financing mix and, you know, achieving M&A goals. But there's also been, you know, various management missteps as well. Can you talk about what some of those concerns are? Sure. You bring up a good point because some of these rating downgrades have gotten there with a combination, but certainly management missteps have been part of that, especially at, I would say, GE and at Boeing. Boeing, you know, as we're doing the postmortem on the MAX 737 saga, what got us there is coming out to be a little bit of a cultural concern on how Boeing was going ahead with their engineering and the culture of pushing through. But outside of that, I think the old management certainly failed at crisis management. That was clear with the with the new CEO coming in and trying to fix some of that. So that aspect is very clear at Boeing. And at GE, I think it's been a multi-decade sort of journey with the prior CEO, Jeff Imlet, trying to figure out the right mix for the conglomerate structure. And a lot of M&A was done at the peak of the energy boom, and the crisis certainly did not help that. So you can question the right strategy or where they, where they failed on executing on, on those. GM, I would say, has been on the quite the opposite spectrum, where I think good management is a reflection on how they have been able to perform in this crisis of demand destruction so far. So, yes, I would say management overall has been... Uh, a big part of the ratings migration upward or downward. 
Thanks, Hidden. You mentioned you know, the backdrop and, and of course, across the, the broader landscape, COVID-19 is having a tremendous impact on sector fundamentals. We're likely to sort of emerge from this with a, a somewhat weaker economy than what we'd seen in 2019. Going forward, how much of these names do you think is influenced by the management strategy versus the sector dynamics? Yeah, so I, I think going forward here, you're going to definitely have the big a bigger weight is going to be on how the sectoral trends sort of come back again. And GE and Boeing are going to face that in terms of aerospace demand. And that has been heavily impacted with travel, both corporate and leisure, and the demand that has sort of fallen out of the bed there. So I think a lot of near term is going to be based on sectoral trends. But then there is that big question around some of the ills of past management, how much of that can be fixed, uh, especially for GE. What is the right sort of uh, conglomerate mix going forward? So I, I think I would say put a heavy weight on uh, sectoral trends versus management. And on GM too, I'll, I'll quickly touch upon that, is right now it's how do you break even at these lower sort of volume levels? But then the bigger question is the positioning for megatrends. How do you think about autonomous driving, electrification, and do, does GM go by itself or do they do partnership? Do they try to monetize the stake that they have in this created entity, given that uh, EV market is hot and getting a lot of valuations in, uh, in the stock market? So I think what management has a vision and what they want to see the positioning going forward will certainly have an impact on the longer term credit trends. So I would say um, sectoral trend first, but management is right behind it. Gotcha. Well, let's dig into GM for a little bit. You know, it's a high profile leadership, obviously, in the auto sector. Ford also, another high profile name that actually was a final angel here in 2020. They've reported recently as well. Yeah. How are you looking at auto fundamentals at this point? You know, what's your outlook for SAR? You know, I, I happen to see a lot of new cars on the road, but I'm, I'm sure that's just sort of a, an anecdote. Could you give us some indication of how you're thinking about you know, what those sector dynamics look like for, for autos? Sure. So I would say that right now, clearly the demand had reached a, a low point in March and April, but we're seeing in the U.S. a steady demand clawback. And we ended July at around 14 million SAR. And broadly speaking, that is the expectation for the balance of the year. Some months will be plus minus, depending on variety of factors, but generally we are thinking of a 14 million-ish SAR for the second half, which puts us full year at around 13 and a half million. That's sort of the expectation that we are working with. What happens here is how many companies can break even at that SAR level is going to be critical. And GM has a very well-communicated framework on how they expect to break even both on an operating and on a cash flow basis at around those levels. So I, I think we will be closely looking at how GM sort of emerges from this. The other factor to keep in mind is while U.S. is a factor, keep in mind that the world's largest market for automobiles is not in the U.S., but it's in China. And China was the first to get infected with COVID. And now it's also the first one to recover. And it's bouncing back pretty healthily. And uh, sales have actually started to increase there in the second quarter. And same is expected for the balance of the year. So I would say keeping an eye on those two markets is what we are looking and trying to see how this uh, down cycle playbook uh, will, uh, will come to fruition for GM is how we're looking at it very closely.
Well, I think the discussion on sector fundamentals is a good one, you know, particularly as we went through a phase immediately after the, the onset of COVID in the United States and the, the shutdown of the financial markets. We saw a number of issuers or you know, across the corporate landscape go from you know, the phase of emergency liquidity sourcing and, and, and obviously now shifting a bit more to the sector fundamentals. You know, investors are making that shift as well. How did these companies do in terms of you know using capital markets to plug any potential liquidity gaps or any kind of concerns about future capital sourcing and how much we shifted out of that and, and satisfied any kind of concerns there? A good point. I mean, liquidity was a big, big question mark as soon as uh, COVID hit because with the production shutdowns, auto companies burned a lot of cash. So we certainly needed to relieve the investors' nerves, and GM uh, did a, uh, you know, tapped the bond markets, they issued debt, and Boeing had, uh, Boeing's recovery plan was delayed because of this crisis as well. So they came up with a mega issuance, and GE did not necessarily have to come to the market because they were fortunate to have closed on their big biopharma sale late last year, early this year, so they were sitting on a lot of cash. So I would say that, uh, liquidity where there was a liquidity concern markets were favorable and these companies were able to actually come and make these big issuances to uh, build the uh, uh, build a cushion there and they were all able to do it you know unsecured issuance in some cases there were even talks about you know some other securities in terms of either considering secured debt or, or even equity issuance which did not transpire but liquidity was still uh, got in place yeah, I think you're speaking a little bit to, you know, what was in front of Boeing for a portion of this. You know, all these companies did issue, all, all those bonds are trading above par. You know, it's true for these names and, and largely true across the corporate landscape as investors got more comfortable with what the COVID uh, timeline is going to look like. You know, Boeing was actually able to turn down the government support, which was uh, a key consideration for investors when they they priced the, sort of the, the blockbuster deal of uh, $25 billion of uh, new bonds. You know, how much do you think the market trading is due to, you know, sort of these policy puts, whether it's the Fed participating in the financial markets, you know, there's obviously a ton of fiscal support versus investors are getting comfortable with these stories and the outlook specifically for the industrial names? I think it's the involvement of the Fed, which is certainly driving a lot of what's happening in the markets because the near-term outlook for some of these names is still so cloudy and uncertain, especially for the long-cycle names like Boeing and GE, where there is an aerospace aspect which is driving the credit stories. Uh, so there is no recovery planned anytime in the next 12 to 18 months. If anything, recovery to volumes in aerospace is not expected until 2023, in some cases 2024. So if you look at that long arc in terms of recovery, bonds are not reflecting that. So there is that stretch support and uh, their, their availability to put a floor, so to speak, on liquidity is what's driving the bond performance. But GM is a little different story because uh, a lot of it's being a cyclical name, a short cycle name, they have to execute on a turnaround plan. And I think we will have a shorter window of the next six to nine months to know whether their actions are going to come to fruition or not. So that, I think, is a more operational story rather than a Fed story. Uh, but nevertheless, it's benefiting from uh, all the Fed programs and bond purchase programs. So uh, I think in a nutshell, I would say Fed is driving it. And in some cases, it's probably getting ahead of fundamentals more so than others. 
Thanks. Well, I guess, you know, whether because of the accommodation that we're getting from the Fed or, or you know, and notwithstanding some of the, the sector, you know, fundamentals that you kind of just laid out, I, I think you and the team generally believe that these names, these three names, Boeing, GE, and GM, are going to remain investment grade for the near medium term, or I guess sort of the horizon of your sort of investment thesis. Can you talk about why that is? And then, you know, how would you rank, I guess, the risk of downgrade for these three names or among them? Absolutely. So I think First of all, I would expect reading downgrades on all three of them, but would not rank high yield. High yield risk is the least at GE. GE is rated high triple B at two of the agencies. And we, when we look at GE, we sort of view them as a more of a mid triple B name. So we are building in a sort of ratings downgrade there with agencies moving a little slowly on them, we believe. On Boeing and GM, you've certainly seen a longer leash than the by the agencies. And I sort of alluded to this uh, in my prior response there, is that we'll have more clarity on GM, whether this leash is appropriate or not, because you will have clarity on how they perform over the next six to nine months. So how long is that leash, I think, can be cut back and that accommodation uh, will be clear in the next year or so. But for Boeing, certainly the metrics are liquidity trumps leverage. I think that's how the agencies are looking at this. And they are giving a lot of weightage to the fact that they can navigate through this period of what is an idiosyncratic issue at Boeing combined with the sectoral demand destruction that's happened. So they're giving them, I would say, longer sort of 12 to 24 month time frame. That being said, we did see last week S&P sort of shortening the leash on them and keeping them at the low triple B with a negative outlook. So the risk of a high yield is sort of alleviated there, elevated there at Boeing. So if I had to rank them high yield risk, I would say Boeing kind of gets up on the list there, uh, followed by GM and GE has the least downgrade or crossover risk. Yeah, thanks. There's certainly been some ratings activity and, and you know, the outlook change from S&P on Boeing you know, highlights that this is something investors have to pay attention to. Notwithstanding that, there does seem to be somewhat of a disconnect between how the agencies are, are ranking the sector and, and how the market perceives it. You know, Boeing, you know, it seems to be the trading the widest, but it, it doesn't have the lowest ratings from the agencies, which is, you know, those held by GM at the moment. You know, GE seems to trade between the two names, uh, but they actually have the, the the best ratings of these three. You know, we actually, you know, listeners of the podcast are familiar with our Fallen Angel score, which actually sort of better aligns with perhaps where the market is in, in terms of ranking those downgrade risks. You know, hidden. You know, you spoke to it a little bit before, but do you think the agencies? You know, when do they act, and and what do you think they're gonna? Where, where do you think these names end up in terms of ratings? You know, let's just say a year from now. Yeah, I mean, I think. The market is sort of reflecting how we're thinking about this is that Boeing is greatest at risk of perhaps even a crossover if we have uh, a lot of things go against them, especially on the sectoral stuff and the idiosyncratic max issues. So they're trading the widest with our, uh, with our thought process here. And GE is not too far in terms of the risk that is carrying is not too dissimilar from Boeing, given the heavy aerospace exposure that GE has uh, with its aerospace segment and also through GCAS. And as I mentioned earlier is these are long cycle sectors and we're not expecting a turnaround in uh, in the next couple of years so given what that will 
affect the conglomerate structure keeps a lot of uncertainty out there. So them trading a wider below Boeing is is how I think of this. And I would say that they settle in the mid triple B to low triple B at worst for GE. And GM, I think, manages to navigate this at their low triple B rating, uh, mid to low triple B rating. And their down cycle playbook, if it, they, they've been one of the best executors of their plan so far coming out of the last crisis and the bankruptcies. They're, so if they sort of continue to execute on that, we would expect them to make it through. That's how I would rank them. Is That's also reflecting in GM trading among the tightest in, in these three. Well, thanks, Hidden. I know it's been busy with earnings, so I appreciate, and I'm sure our, our listeners do as well, are you taking the time to give us some color on the industrial sector? Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you also to the listeners. Uh, As always, you can find our research on our website, creditsites.com. Or if you are not a subscriber, please contact us at sales at creditsites.com. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or produced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information complaint in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. Received by the listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.